Yo, yo, what up? This is a conversation I had with Clarence the cabbie from Clubhouse. Just popped into his room uh, titled Yay to Buy Parlor. Is this for real? Uh, The news yesterday was that Kanye was going to buy Parlor, kind of like the way Elon Musk is buying Twitter. So... I got invited to come in, I popped in, and uh, here are some sections of our conversation. Hey, what's up, Wes? What you got going on? Just reading through some stuff. Oh, okay. What you reading through? Uh, Just interested in uh, taxes, currently. Oh, taxes? Okay, cool. I I just got through... um, putting in for a property tax rebate in Jersey. Oh. Wow. Yeah, they had something about 2019. Um, it was a state particular program that they were doing. And so I just, um, I did that maybe about two weeks ago and everything. They gave me the refund already. Okay, Nice. Yeah, I was amazed at how rapidly they um, execute it. They usually don't. Huh. Yeah, well, pleasant, pleasantly surprised, huh? Yeah, I, I was. I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I, although I, I had to change where I was having the money deposited to next year on my taxes uh, because I was just using one of those prepaid cards uh, so that they couldn't necessarily tap me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that prepaid card is no longer going to be doing business as of today. <laughs> yeah, it was account now. And Green Dot, which owns them, is finally shutting them down. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, the prepaid debit industry that that has really uh, that's that's a pretty turbulent industry. I never thought about it. That was one, it was it was one of my one one of the first network marketing ventures that I got involved with back in two thousand and one. Oh, okay. Yeah, How- they were. There was a network company that called itself Wired Power, and they were pushing the Wired Plastic Card. Hmm. Yep. Uh, it failed, but uh, I had started studying the prepaid cards and things of that nature, so I became a couple of affiliates uh, to a couple of other cards, made a few pieces of coins, made a few coins here and there with it, you know. And I used to do taxes with uh, H&R Block around that same time. Oh, okay. And you had a good experience with it? Huh? With, with, with uh, H&R Block or the uh, cards? The cards. The cards are fine. I, I, I still use them today. Oh. You know, practically everybody in the mock... Give me one second. Pra- 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 practically everybody... And their mama has a card these days. You know, PayPal has a prepaid card. It's the big one that is um, 
Okay, one second. Next bend. They have a variety of them. Brink has one. Um, they just got tons of them. And it, it, like, really, initially, the whole concept back in 2001 was that they would be almost like having um, virtual lockboxes for your money. And you would just store your car, you could, like, store your money. If you didn't want people, say, for instance, to get to your money and you didn't want it to show up in the regular bank account. But that was, like, kind of, uh, that was overridden. If that was one of your reasons for using those cards, that was basically overridden by the Patriot Act. Mm. Yeah. And then the other aspect of it was a lot of communities, uh, either different low-income communities, they really had a banking issue. Many of people didn't have bank accounts or couldn't get bank accounts because of various um, criteria. But once again, the Patriot Act kind of stifled that concept in the sense that you had to have certain type of ID in order to get the card that you had to submit to the company before they would issue the card. Huh. I don't know. <laughs> what part of the country are you in? I'm in I'm in uh, East Coast, U.S. Yeah, I'm in New York. I'm in New York. Uh, I'm born in Jersey, uh, but mostly in New York. So the reason why we have formed this room was actually to talk a little bit about um, Yay. Uh, and he was going to be going to buy parlor. At least that's what the chatter is. Um, and it's been confirmed by a couple of sources. And I basically wanted to get some feedback on what people's thoughts were about it. By the way, that's my parlor. I've been part of parlor for over um, four years, three, either three to four years. Um, for over a year, I had a chat. I wasn't actually using it until just now when Yay, um, when they made the announcement about Yay buying it. And so I finally unlocked my account to get back in it. And I just started doing some of my first post today. Oh, okay. Kindness is king. I see that, uh, is that a book that you wrote or you are recommending? <laughs> no, that's just a graphic I made. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, I, when I first joined the uh, clubhouse, I uh, I was I was in some rooms that I was just hearing a lot of hostility at times, and I just wanted to promote kindness more than anything. Oh, that would make a nice little, uh, that would make a nice little lead magnet. <laughs> yeah. The graphic and, uh, basically a PDF report. <laughs> yeah. You know, and basically it would just be, because it's like 10 things to help you be kind. 
Oh, I like that. Yeah, uh, a, a real, and, and like I said, it, 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 I'm looking at it as a report, as opposed to say like a full-fledged ebook or a project that would take more than like two hours to put together, you know? And it's really just uh, telling the story which you just told me right now when I first came to Clubhouse, I saw a lot of hostility in the room, so I created this graphic. And um, so someone, I was in another Clubhouse room and someone said, hey, that's a cool graphic and <laughs> I, I think you should make that a, a report. And so I just wanted to put down this little report on then what things you could do to demonstrate kindness. If you like it, um, please most definitely share it with other people. And you collect their name and email address so you can uh, keep them updated on other things you're doing. Building that list. That's awesome. I love that. Well, it was your work that inspired it. <laughs> yeah i'm glad replays are on i'm gonna i'm gonna save this one okay cool that's absolutely fabulous and i'm getting ready to share the room again uh see if we can get some more people up in here you know parlor is definitely not on my radar as far as social media platforms go I can't remember. I see it's emphasizing speak free. Yeah. What was it? What was it? Uh, I feel like it was oh. creating in response to something. Yeah, yeah. Basically, oh, it, it emerged during the um, middle of the Trump era. Uh, and what happened was that you had, um, you, you just had the um, Charlottesville incident. Um, and social media had started shutting down a lot of people. So Paula was uh, created in response to that. And then what happened was that um, Apple shut down Paula. And the Amazon web services jumped into the fray and cut off their data <laughs> input. So they were, there was a big legal battle over it, and they never fully, fully recovered. Um, now, basically, we have Kanye. Well, I hope that answered your question. Right. Yeah. And so now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kanye is now looking to acquire it, and I'm looking at, I'll just say what my, my view is, okay, and maybe that'll get the ball rolling in terms of getting other people's feedback. We, we all know that Kanye has been all over the place with different type of positions and stances. Um, I think that he is one of those who actually follows friends very, very well. I think he saw the attention and the traction that Elon Musk was getting with the acquisition of Twitter and the attempted acquisition of Twitter and the ups and downs with that. So I think he recognizes that this is a way um, to number one, get media attention, but besides getting the media attention, a buying a community mm. to move forward with um, future projects. And I think that just like you had um, 
the gentleman who was the CEO of Beatrice, and I don't know, Ron Johnson, all right, was an African-American. I think that the mere fact that having an African-American, the head of a owner of a major um, social media, or so, actually a microblogging platform, that's where it really is, a microblogging platform, uh, is a plus. Even if sometimes he, I agree with him and sometimes I disagree with him. I think that that actually is one of those things that can inspire um, more people of all colors to basically say, hey, you know what? If he could do this, I could do that. What opportunities in tech do they exist for me? What can I do and how can I use this, especially when looking at the development of Web3? That's my thoughts in a nutshell. And I'm open to comments um, related to that. Cool. I'm definitely here for some conversations about Web3. Let me say that it's been my experience that the internet has so, so, it's so wide and so big, there are a huge number of social media platforms which the vast majority of people have not a clue about. But we've been constantly fed the, um, the Twitters, the Facebooks, the Instagram, um, and they've been like um, experiencing the power of a monopoly. And like that same type of monopoly type of scenario uh, looks like it may also appear in the Web3 space because I don't actually see people positioning themselves to push back against. Let's say you're a DeFi person and you basically have a coin, but Coinbase has acquired such a large percentage of the market sector segment of the public attention through the news media and Facebook and Twitter and all those other sites, um, then basically that puts you at a significant disadvantage where, yes, you may be able to survive, even possibly thrive, but you wouldn't necessarily have that vision of open access with many in the Web3 world have. I could be wrong, but those are some of my observations. And I'd love to get your feedback. I guess um, I kind of want to throw it back at you really quick, just for curiosity, I guess. Because I don't, I'm trying to think of my own opinions on it. And uh, I feel like this is pretty similar to what uh, Elon Musk is doing with Twitter. And uh, I guess. I'm more, I'm more curious about, you know, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, I have some basic thoughts in terms of more on like a business side of things, but, uh, it's a it pretty, it maps pretty well, like one-to-one, you know, what, if Kanye buys parlor and Elon buys Twitter, then what, what are your thoughts on, on with Elon and Twitter? 
Well, that, that's a very, very good question. Um, I think that a lot of people are putting their own vision and desires on Elon Musk. I think that there are a, that there's a lot of noise of what people would like to see happen or his motivation to be. And they're totally wrong about it. And it's just total misinformation. Elon has a plan. Uh, his plan, I don't know what it is. I know that Elon is one of those <laughs> adventurous people who isn't afraid to fail. And so... Whatever his vision is, it most definitely is aimed at furthering his particular ambitions. And those ambitions being the um, conquest of space near and um, solar system wide, and also the question of being a dominant player and influence in any other fields that he chooses to go into. I don't necessarily see him as, I don't see it as being, oh, uh, if you were suspended from Twitter or if you were a person who um, was shadow banned, that Elon Musk will be a big savior. You know, I, I think he sees that more as something to get leverage, you know, spark some interest in conversation, get people talking. But I don't think that that's where his real heart and interest is. Yeah, I guess uh, it would be, I guess I'm, kind of, I guess I'm more curious than anything about what, what their heart and interest is. Their motivations are. I think with. No, I was. Uh, I think with um, with Musk. The, the little bit I know of him, other than his uh, desires for, he's 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 rather philosophical at times when he's explaining, you know, why he does what he does. I haven't really seen too much of him, um, but I have come across. You know, content here and there, where he's talking about his plans and desires and stuff, and uh, it just seems—it seems, you know, aside from him being a very talented engineer, making stuff, he does seem to want good things for the world. You know, like humanitarian kind of kind of guy. He he may he may come across that way, but I have no clue. Right. You, you, you understand? Uh, wolves are always dressed in cheap clothing <laughs> when they want to get something. And I've read some of the material that um, it said that Elon has read. I read that fiction book about the um, drug addict guy who battles this artificial intelligence and everything. Um, and I, I forget the exact name of the book, 
Um, but I read that one, and I also listened to um, Life 3.0 because Elon Musk had a big interest in artificial intelligence and its particular application, and those made up a large segment of the book. Um, he's put money behind the question of the humane um, and safe development of artificial intelligence. I'm just more of a cynical person, all right? And I, I would, if I was, if I was anything, I would say, oh, well, the reason why Elon is buying Twitter is to actually buy a community because he <laughs> would be subject to um, the same type of concept of having a platform and a pre-built organization. Most of the titans and major um, organizations in Web2 are basically built and buy buy and bought, well, built and bought type of operation where you had mergers and acquisitions um, and locating different type of talent scouting, different type of projects to put in your empire for vertical and horizontal <laughs> integration. <clears throat> it reminds me of uh, when Stacy. Um, they, the guy who was up in Boston and had the charges over in Boston and now he's over in um, England going on court. He was in the West Wing. Stacy, um, he's an actor. He's an actor. Um, anyway, he basically played uh, Mel Prophet in Wise Guys. And he was a drug lord and other things. And he would say as he got his heroin injection um, from his sister, who it looked like they were having an incestuous relationship, uh, he would wiggle his toes and say, the toes knows, the toes knows. And in one of the episodes, he unveiled his plan, which was basically for total vertical and horizontal integration. That's what he was after. And that is the impression I get from Elon Musk. That's the impression I get from Jeff Bezos. You know, I think that they are pretty much kindred spirits. Mm. You know, you just reminded me of a, a quote I saw from someone that um, makes me laugh, but I, I, I resonate with it. It basically is like, once someone reaches uh, $999 million, you know, everything after that, like there should be no billionaires in the world because every, every dollar after that, what, uh, you should, you should just get a plaque that says I win at capitalism and then donate everything else. Well, you know, it, it, it's funny cause I was just having that thought also in the sense that uh, a lot of what people, cause like Warren Buffett and Bill Gates have supposedly given away all their money. You know, they're supposed to have done that, you know, and, and they can do that because they have systems which are already in place to replenish that money. 
You know, so that 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 that, 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 that when you actually start peeling back the layers and you start actually looking and start what are the components of their wealth, where are their money, um, what are empty gestures, what are solid gestures, you know, um, where did they actually put that money and give that money away to? Um, that that too is like another um, whole another level. And then if you were to give, say, everybody a million dollars, chances are the money would wind up in the same hands once again. <laughs> With just a few slight changes. And why is that? It's because to the large degree, most of the population isn't mentally, spiritually, or physically in alignment with wealth acquisition. Mm. You know, most people are thinking about rich, playing the lottery, you know, of I never really, really can do it. Uh, Nobody I know is doing it, um, except for possibly you have some of the, maybe the hustler type, Mm -hmm. you know, and like some of them are actually, if you're on Instagram and you see certain circles, you see some of them arrive. Even here on Clubhouse, you know, I see um, different people who are actually breaking out that, mold of normalcy and doing abnormal things and I think that that's one of the things that when you talk about um, very very successful people like the Bill Gates they're abnormal people yeah. they're abnormal people and but anybody can a lot of people can do a lot of the things the challenge though is that if you look at their background, if you look at where their backstory, their backstory had them in rich, fertile soil. Mm. And it's hard for someone who is in a desert, a poverty of ideas, a poverty of vision, a poverty of examples, a poverty of dreams for people to overcome the force of gravity would pull them down. Mm. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be negative or anything. I'm just describing what my observation is. You know, um, in order for a person to build muscle, what do you do? Do you just put somebody in a comfortable home and have them sit in front of a couch and let them eat all they want to eat and have the food brought to them and things of that nature? Or does that person really need to go into the gym uh, or work out in nature or whatever, but actually put the body through some stress? You know, and that and that that's one of the, that's one of the counterintuitive things. Uh, it's through our hardship and surviving those hardships that we actually are able to grow and prosper and then become the light of the world. Um, I was looking at 
now that now that you really you got me uh reeling and a whole lot of thoughts are going from my head. But I was just thinking about um the outliers mm-hmm. by Malcolm Gladwell. And just in the very beginning of it, it tells the story of the tallest tree in the forest. And it wasn't necessarily that the tallest tree in the forest had anything that was special about it, except that it happened to be the beneficiary of not being eaten by a rabbit when it was younger, of not blowing over when it got older and in its adolescence, or not being burnt up in the fire as it was coming up, or it didn't fall to the lumberjacks. <laughs> so it's not just, and they talk about that in the psychology of money, it's not just people's ability that determine the or mental attitude or even spiritual development that determines whether or not they succeed. There are external forces which are at play and should be taken in consideration. That doesn't diminish the hard work that people put in. It doesn't diminish some of the insights that they might have had which were uniquely theirs regardless of the thing, but to totally discount who were Bill Gates' closest buds. When did Bill Gates actually get access to um, computers and computer technology? He was in one of the first schools that actually had access to a real-time computer. When I was in school, all right, and I went to a private school for a brief period of time, uh, they they had the punch tape computer. When I went to college, all right, basically, now we're talking about from fifth grade to college, the college I was at had the, um, I'm sorry, they had the ticker tape um, computer. When I got to um, college, they had the punch card computer. Bill Gates had access to one of the only computers in a high school that basically had real-time computing power. Wow. That's interesting. Well, I mean, all, all that information has been shared and repeated in several different places, you know? Um... The book I had just mentioned, The Outliers, Malcolm mm-hmm. Gladwell talked about that. He also talked, uh, and you also hear about it in The Psychology of Money. Mm. All right, and, 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 and it's all part of, see, one of the things, all right, about personal development and a lot of these motivational things, they all, a lot of people use templates. So a lot of the stories get repeated and repeated. But unless you were, you know, privy to actually looking and breaking things down and analyzing what exactly are these people doing, how are they doing it, so that I could possibly do it, it mostly blows past most people. Um, Influenced by Robert Seidel. I just got through listening to that. You know, and it's like all having a diet, all right, of things that might not necessarily be in your wheelhouse 
actually helps you to better analyze and deal with things that are in your wheelhouse. And at the very least, it'll give you a different filter setting. <laughs> you know, I was told that how do you, how how does the Treasury Department all right train its agent to determine counterfeit? Well, they have them study real bills. Oh, that makes sense. They don't have them study fake bills, the counterfeit bills. They have them study the real bill. Because once you know the real deal, you'll be able to discern the counterfeit like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I hope I hope you found this room interesting. I hope you found it of value. Um, of course, we'll be having more rooms like this. This room was actually sponsored under the Innovative Champion um, room, which is one of the clubs that I have uh, that I work with here on Clubhouse. We also have a house. We have a house which is um, the 12 Universal Laws of Success. The 12 Universal Laws of Success were written by um, Dr. Herbert Harris. I've known Dr. Harris since 2001. He's an amazing, outstanding individual. You'll find he's actually here on um, Clubhouse, um, but I met him off Clubhouse just in the internet world um, when I was looking for motivational speakers and things of that nature. Um, he's been in several different network marketing organizations, but he wrote the book, The 12 Universal Laws of Success. And we are, we actually have named our house after those principles because we will be going through those principles of success and um, moving forward. His book is really, really like my favorite Napoleon Hill book is not think and grow rich. Think and grow rich was a little too esoteric for me, and a lot of the stuff just went right over my head. Except for the sex part, all right, I could get with the sex part, but most of what the guy was trying to drive home, the secret of this book, and if you discover it, that was just too esoteric for me, all right? Mm. Uh, fortunately, I stumbled across his 12 Universal Laws of Success. It's a longer book. It's about a thousand pages or so uh, by listening to the audio tape, which are about 16 of 16 uh, audio tapes, which go on for hours. I bought that and I've listened to it again and again and again. But the difference between the two things, Think Grow Rich was really a distillment of what he talked about in the 12 Universal Laws of, no, no, sorry, in the 16 Laws of Success. And basically, he wrote it for a high school level class. So that meant it was really, really simple, basic. Now, some of the language in that book, some might find offensive, but as a African-American who is looking for the essence and not necessarily um, the nonsense, I was able to acquire more beneficial information out of it than the slight reflection 
of the time that he wrote the book. Okay. And I, I put that caveat there because a lot of times people throw away very good information just because there are some thoughts that might not necessarily align with their palate. Okay. You know, and I, I found it invaluable. I found it invaluable. So Wes, thank you once again. I do hope that you will um, put together that uh, report. I would love to see the capture page that you create with it um, or lead magnet page that you create with it because I would most definitely sign up for the book and the report and the um, be part of your mailing list. Great. Hey, quick question for you. Yeah. Can I take um, since this is on a replay? Yeah. Can I take Can I take clips of this uh, segment what? sections from this of where me and you are talking to each other? Well, how does that? And uh, yeah, and just share it on my podcast. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, you can most definitely share it on your podcast. Uh, I most definitely would welcome it. You know, awesome. I have. Uh, believe me, uh, when things are recorded, I have no shame in what I say. <laughs> great, great, great. You know, great. And, and, and the more people I could talk to or people can utilize it and be able to help build their presence and everything, I most definitely welcome that. Nice. Yeah, and I see you're you're going to a room tomorrow morning and uh, that looks interesting. I want to tune into that. Oh yeah, that, that's the that's the faith and leadership. Faith yeah. and leadership yeah, basically is a Christian fellowship. Um it was formed by a Navy veteran named Elizabeth Yao, and she's a John Maxwell coach. Uh, her, along with Olivia, um, were the people who created that over a year or so ago, um, maybe a year and a half ago. And I just stumbled on it maybe two months ago. But Monday through Friday, we basically go through different um Bible studies or topics and it's really really good because it gives an opportunity for people to express different views on what their experience has been with the reading and um, the Bible and faith and leadership and how those things interact nice nice very nice yep. alright so thank you, Wes. Have a great day, and I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. You can back channel me um, when you have your podcast, so I'll subscribe to your podcast too. Uh, and also, um, besides the back channel, you can reach me on the. And that's what I need to do. I need actually to put in my digital business card so that people can. Uh, just give me one moment before I, and I'll close the room in a moment. Yeah, how soon do you think the replay will get put up on this? In this yeah, the, uh, replay, the replay should be up within about five minutes. Stop. Oh, and All it right. gets saved to the, the club, right? Yeah, it gets played to the, it gets in, yeah, because this is a club um thing, so it will be showing up in the club. All right, there you go. That's my um business card. So <laughs> that has the other social media and stuff to connect with me. All right, so I'm going to close the room. Wait, wait, and then, where's, where's your business card? It's right in the chat. Oh, let me look. Oh, I see. 
Nice. Got it. Okay. So, uh, thank you once again, Wes. You have a wonderful, wonderful day. And I look forward to hearing your... Okay. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. You too. Take care. Voila. Thanks, Clarence. Chat with you again, man. Bye-bye.